Welcome to the Rush Valley Podcast, where we talk about all things outdoors and hopefully some badass stories. What's up, guys? I'm your host, Anders Lance, and today we'll be talking with Richie Wilhelm. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is episode 15. It's been a long time since we've recorded, but I've been busier in hell with life. So it's the middle of summer now. Most of us whitetail hunters are kind of getting antsy for September to roll around, but that's why I'm having Richie on today to talk about his uh, spring season, uh, what went on, and what what's the, uh, the prep he's got coming up for the, the upcoming season. So with that being said, Richie, hey, welcome to the show. Welcome. Well, well, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been playing uh, tag for a while here, haven't yeah. we? So, why don't you first off? Why don't you introduce yourself and yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm Richie Wilhelm. I'm from uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, kind of right on the Mississippi, where Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin all meet. Kind of a little promised land of whitetail hunting and fishing and just outdoor activity. Um, I'm a carpenter by trade that pays the bills and funds all the hunting trips. Yeah, that's, that's kind of, I'm from, I'm just from like Northwest of there. So Ellsworth, Wisconsin, right on Mississippi, oh, okay. same, same kind of yeah, situation. Yeah. So the bluff yeah, country we call it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely bluff country. That's for sure. That's Inconsistent the, wind. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the big bucks are hiding. That, um, that is where the big bucks are hiding. So you, you are a carpenter. Um, you, you kind of yep. own your own business then or? Yeah. 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 I, uh, I own and operate a little residential construction company. I got, uh, one guy that works with me and we're a pretty good, pretty good team and crush out a lot of work and he likes to hunt and fish as well. And, uh, we kind of, we kind of got a, a work hard mentality and, and play harder. That's, so it's nice it, not having a really, boss. <laughs> well, sometimes it, it would be nice to tell someone you're to deal with uh, all the BS, but uh, at the end of the day, it, it it really motivates me to, you know, just kind of create my own destiny. And you know, like I said, working with a buddy that kind of has the same mentality, it just it flows good. And and at the end of the day, kind of just lets us set hours and you know, at certain times of the year, like this time of year, you know, hence why it's been such a, a hassle to make ends meet is, uh, you know, we're just, we're just putting a ton of hours in when, when the weather's good. And, and, you know, I mean, we're 50 days out from September, which is crazy to say. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to work while you can. Cause when September comes around, you're going to want to pick the, <laughs> you're going to want to pick those days that you can be in the woods and you're, yeah, I, we, we definitely get, you know, like right now, it's really easy to be focused on work and just getting in some reps and, you know, using the weekends to, you know, prep what we can and stay on track with, you know, whitetail, whitetail stuff, you know, tree stands, getting ready to get some trail cams out, but maintaining some trails and, you know, access and stuff like that. So, and just all the loose ends that, I mean, it's kind of endless at the end of the day, depending on you know, what you have for, for acreage to hunt and stuff like that, even small pieces. I mean, it's, you can invest a ton of time. It could be a full-time job. I mean, you look at some of these guys that have shows, I mean, they're, they're putting in a ton of time and obviously it's, 
it's well funded and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, it's easy to spend a lot of time if you, if you have a, a, a big passion for, for what you're doing. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you don't really know when you're done, you know, getting ready for season until season starts and you're like, shit, I really wish I would have done that or got that done. <laughs> yeah. I, there, there's always something that slipped through the cracks that seems like it definitely would have benefited you. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I kind of use the, the tactic of, you know, what was the one thing that I didn't do year prior that, you know, I got a bunch of pitchers of a buck doing a certain thing that I didn't have a good access to or didn't have a stand in there and really couldn't do much about it without, you know, really boogering up where he was at or, you know, just, I, I, I spend a lot of time in the, in the spring, like right away, like right after shed season, like right before turkey hunt. Like I just, I try to invest as much time as possible that time of year. Cause once, once my work season really gets cooking, I just, it's too hard for me to just drop what I'm doing. Cause it seems like I'm just trying to get as much work done before September comes and, you know, into October and November and just trying to, you know, ha- have some sort of, uh, uh, normal life and, and not get sidetracked by being a white tailaholic or a bull hunter, you know, bull huntaholic or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So. No, I know it. I trust me. When, when you, that's all you see. I mean, I've been, I've been following you a lot or since, you know, a long time ago on, on Instagram and stuff. I see, I see the stuff that you guys got going. It's yeah the same yeah. way. No, I think, and, and the thing about it too, is we, you know, at the end of the day, we really don't have a ton of equipment and stuff like that. I mean, I, I have a weed whacker that has weed whacked a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you I have weed whacked 10 acres of, <laughs> of, of, uh, a ground in my lifetime, making trails and stuff like that. And just, just using what I can frost seeding, you know, yep. clover, like a coated clover in the, in the, you know, February, March or whenever, whenever that snow is mm-hmm. kind of gone and, you know, we're still getting some frost and thaw in the ground and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I just, it's easy to invest a ton of money into it and it's just, creating a budget and you know blue collar budget as far as that goes and you know i'm acquiring things as we go along that you know i <laughs> i'm like all right it's time to buy this or <laughs> time to buy that like but uh we got e-bikes that we purchased probably three years ago with the trailer that I'll tell you what that that i i can do a lot of work with with that e-bike and trailer and you know, hauling stuff around stands and stuff like that in the off season, as well as, you know, during season, it's very, very useful. I've heard like so many good things about those e-bikes. My uncle bought one and he, he convinced his wife that if he buys those, he's saving more money. He does construction as well. He said, I can stay longer at work as long as I have an e-bike cause I can get to stands faster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of our, a lot of our stands are, you know, a, a lot of our better stands are, you know, just far enough back to where it's like, uh, I do not want to walk back all the way, you know, I mean, all the way back there and hope tonight's the right night. You know, I mean, I've talked myself out of hunting spots that I should have hunted just because of, you know, I guess kind of being lazy or however you want to look at it, you know, but the e-bike has definitely helped us get to spots further back in on the property, stealthier in and out more times in and out of a stand, you know, I mean, it, we, we've killed 
a lot of our big bucks lately have totally been due to having e-bikes and just being able to get into some of these spots past deer, you know, quickly without them, you know, I mean, just deer before the deer were actually hunting. So, yeah, I've, that's, that's kind of what he had said too. He's like, I've drove by deer and they kind of just stand there more so than if I were to walk yeah. by them, they can see me a lot longer. Also, well, I, mean, I think a lot. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, a lot of it's just sent to, you know, I mean, just, it, it's just such a, a fast thing where you're just, you know, it's stealthy. I mean, I have a Rambo. It's got a little bit of a kick to it. You know, like I really haven't, I, I think it would be a, gosh, it's not a hub drive. I think it's a mid drive is what it is. So it, it's got a little bit of a kick to it, but you know, as far as noise goes, but I, you know, like I said, it, it's such a quick thing to where if you were to actually set up and listen to it go by, you hear it, you notice it, but the time it's there and gone, like, I just don't think they're really putting two to two and two together right now. For sure. I'm sure there will come, I'm sure there will come a time where deer evolved <laughs> to yeah. knowing what that is. But. Yeah. Well, even too, like walking to stands when it's warm out and you're not sweating your ass off before you get to the stand. I mean, that's a huge part of it. Yeah, that, that, that's very huge, you know, and just all the scent you're leaving on the ground. I mean, yeah. with those bikes, we can just minimize all, just scent in general and, you know, access. And it, it comes, the hardest part with them is, you know, where do you actually put the bike? You know, I, I just don't, you know, we're not hunting a lot of crick beds and stuff like that where you can just plop it over the side or, you know, I just, I, I don't have good luck dropping them right at the base of my stand, like, we hunt some CRP. Uh, majority of the property that we hunt is CRP. We have no egg on it. Neighbors have egg and stuff like that. It was originally egg, but it, it was turned into CRP probably a couple of years ago. I guess we do have another property, a smaller property that that does have some egg. But it, you know, we put it in the in the CRP before, and you know, if they if they see that bike, they they definitely don't like it. So I'm still trying to trying to hone in on, uh, you know, figuring out always what to do with the bike, but yet making it accessible for when I get out of the stand to where, you know, you're, you're back on it quickly and, and moving it out of the spot that, you know, it, it just didn't happen that night and you want to get back into. And I mean, it's kind of a, you know, it's just like anything, Sometimes new stuff comes out and you, you got to dial it in before you really, you know, can take full advantage of using a new tool. For sure. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they have their, it's like everything, they have their pros and cons to it. But Correct, correct, correct. So, well, let's, uh, we'll get into it kind of here. I just, I kind of ask everyone this, like just, just how you kind of got brought into hunting or who your mentors were kind of growing up and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I, I was pretty fortunate. Um, my dad and all, pretty much all my uncles hunted, you know, and fished and stuff like that. So I was, I was in a boat at a young age. I was in the woods at the young, uh, at a young age. And, you know, if my dad wasn't taking me, I had uncles that were, were, were taking me. So I grew up hunting and fishing and it's pretty much made, you know, it, it's been ingrained in me forever and uh you know i'm kind of following suit with it now too with my nieces and nephews and now we got a little six month old little boy that 
you know, we're, <laughs> we've already taken him out and, uh, this last spring and set up ground blinds. Not that he's been very helpful right now, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it, it's starting them. It's, you know, it, it, yeah, it, I've been very fortunate because like I said, everybody's always in, has always taken us and as much of a burden as it was, you know, realizing that now, like tugging on my dad's shirt all the time and take, you know, like, I want to go, I want to go. And, you know, and he, and he made it work and so did my uncles and stuff like that too. So yeah, pretty lucky guy at that's, the end of the day. Yeah. That's, you think about when you're a kid and how big of a pain in your ass, but <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't want to have it any other ways. No, no. And, and they, you know, a lot of them have seen my passion for it. And I think, you know, now it still kind of lives on as they're getting older and less ambitious to, to, to do some of the things that I'm doing. I'm just kind of following their footsteps and, you know, kind of taking it to new levels as well. But, you know, it, it's been pretty awesome growing up hunting and fishing. And it's kind of hard to believe, you know, when you meet somebody that they've never, you know, really hunted or fished and it's just, you know, makes you feel extremely grateful that it's been a part of my life as long as it has been. Or question them and say, what the hell do you do on your free time? yeah what are you doing (laughs) or like if you grew up on the mississippi river and you weren't hunting and fishing i don't i don't know what the hell else there is to do well there's there's uh there's boating and sandbarn and having beers that's for sure yeah that's that's on the off season then we're yeah yeah spring and fall come around and takes up all of our time that's right that's right how uh Last year was that twenty twenty one? It's so hard to remember now what year is what and what the hell is I going believe on. it was. Yeah. What's going yeah, on yeah right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I believe it was twenty twenty one, yeah. How how did your season kinda go? I, I guess I never ever caught up with uh, you about that. Yeah. It was I had a I had a pretty uh short lived season when it comes to whitetails. Um like I said, we recently had our first child and that was, he joined us on December 22nd. So my wife had been pregnant, um, you know, since she actually, she actually went to South Dakota and killed an antelope with her girlfriend in early September. I think at that point she was, I think six months pregnant or five months, something, something like that. So her and a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. She said, stay home. Yeah, well, I wanted to go, but uh, I I was extremely excited to see her and her girlfriend, like, venture out that way and kind of grab the bull by the horns because her and I travel quite a bit. We definitely do one good trip a year somewhere, you know, and she never really bow hunted previous to meeting me, but, um, you know, she's definitely, uh, the passion is strong you know, when it comes to bow hunting and stuff like that for her now, I mean, she, she's definitely on the same page as you and I, when it yeah. comes to comes to hunting and stuff like that. But, um, so, well, they went actually before that, I, uh, I went to Colorado on a high country mule deer hunt. Um, and the guy that works with me, Dane, he was, he joined along with me and he was just kind of, we documented and we kind of put a cool little film together um, stuff like that. And I finally, uh, killed a high country deer in Colorado that that's kind of been a monkey on my back for, I think that was my third trip or fourth trip, um, out there. I've had a, I had a 
I had one buck that I, I hit and I still can't believe we never found. Um, my cousin was with me on that trip and he saw the deer and he said the whole side was covered in blood and we just put on a ton of, we covered a ton of ground and never found that buck and it still blows my mind to this day. And, um, and then I had a miss, um, uh, the, the next trip out there shot right under a deer just kind of due to yardage and the buck kind of spooking and just, you know, gained like four extra yards and shot right under it. And that was like just as heartbreaking, yeah. you know, it was like finally got myself into the position again. And, That's and it was just like, it was just like, it was, it, it couldn't happen no matter how hard or how many miles I put on or how bad I wanted it just never seemed like it could happen. And it was, it was, it was the fourth trip out there. Um, I think there was a previous trip too where I never released an arrow, but got into some bucks, just never made it happen. And then this last year, it was the first stock. <laughs> the first stock got into like 46 yards on this bedded buck that we had glassed across this big basin. And, and yeah, it, it, it was like I had done it a million times and I was yeah. the sneakiest, sneakiest dude on the mountain ever. I mean, by no means a giant, but I really nice four by four. I, you know, a long very, time coming. yeah, long time coming, it, it, you know, like I could have shot a couple of little bucks previous to that. And it, you know, at the end of the day, whether you're a trophy hunter or not, you know, it was just like, I kind of have expectations, you know I mean? I'm not yeah. going to shoot the smallest buck in the woods and you know, it, if, if it gets the heart pumping and you know, gets me jacked up, I, I, I know what I want. We'll yeah. just say that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, let an arrow, he, he got up out of his bed and freaking quarter and away and just freaking hammered him. And he kind of just, it, it kind of took him off his feet and it, it, it was a very steep hillside and I just kind of, I kind of ran after him. Yeah. Just, it's easy to lose deer in that country, oh, you know what sure. I mean? And blood is, blood is tough and stuff like that. And I ended up shooting them again and stuff like that as it, I wasn't taking any chances <laughs> <laughs> I was like I came way too far and this finally happened there's no oh, way shit. I'm leaving this damn mountain without you <laughs> so that that was super cool and, and like I said it was the first stock so it was it was like what the heck yeah. <laughs> and no. we, we really didn't know what to do after that so like like any any anybody would do with I think we had seven days left to hunt I, we had the whole, we had like a nine day hunt planned, and um, so I went and bought like an eight hundred dollar elk tag, nice. <laughs> and, and kick and then kicked my own ass. Yeah. So, yeah. so before <laughs> but, uh, you before you move on, and you can keep going too, but I want to know, yeah, yeah. Uh, buddy of mine kind of has an elk tag this year, and so just like prepping for you know, I don't know what you were at for elevation out there in your high country. What what were you at? Um, I. I think at that one we were at eleven five. So you're up there. Yeah, yeah. What? No, we were, we were that that was the highest point. Yeah, we were we were definitely we were definitely up there. So prep, uh, talking talk about you know like preparation for getting there. Talk about gear. Yeah. Talk about food. What you need. What you you know what you'd take and what you'd leave. Yeah. Um. So I kind of you know like you said we both live in bluff country. Yeah. Um, I, pretty close to some some hiking trail that's I think it's a it's three quarters of a mile up to the top of the hill mm -hmm. so 
I think there and back, I can, I can kind of leave my house and, and, and do the hike and be home in an hour. So, um, Dane and I, um, we were doing that since I think like the beginning of July, you know, whatever mornings that we felt like kicking our ass before work, we'd just go up that hill. And I think we were usually, we were both running Kuyu packs, um, and kind of have been, I, I have been for, that was the first pack that I bought. Um, my wife bought a mystery ranch pack at one time and she liked it. it? Was just kind of, um, it was a little squeaky, Okay. you know, it just, it just never seemed like it could get rid like broke in and get rid of those squeaks and stuff like that. And not that it's a big deal when you're like really hiking, but yeah. you know, there's just certain things that <laughs> just bug the shit out of you. No, and that I, was one of them. I'd like, rather you be honest than. And, and that and like those Kuyu packs, they they just have so many different bag sizes okay. for those frames that, I mean, we have like an 1850 pack, we got like a, a 3200 pack, and I think my, my you know, when we went on our, our mule deer hunt, uh, I think we had, I think I had my 7000 pack. Okay. So, I mean, it, it's just a super versatile pack and i mean i use it for for mule deer hunting when we're out in the dakotas or wherever the heck we're at you know if it's just like a day pack and then otherwise you know if you're multi-day pack you know it, it that thing to me is you know worth its weight in gold and i think there's actually if anybody hears of this today or if you want to take advantage of it and looking for a pack i think they got like a 40 percent off sale still okay today, so um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, you just, you, you need your hydration stuff. Um, uh, you know, as far as pumps and stuff like that and, uh, a jet boil. Um, yeah, you just, you almost have to do some of that stuff and just figure out what, what you need. You know, I'm a big optics guy yep. as far as that. I mean, it, I'd rather put a ton of, I'm in behind the glass if it's option if it's like available to do that, you know, and glass as much as possible because it's easy to walk out there. You you can walk for days and chase your own tail, or you know, just that country is big to where <laughs> you almost have to just go out there once, kick your own ass, reevaluate everything, and be like, I didn't need that. I don't need this extra set of you know extra set of this or extra set of that, you know, you just, you almost just have to get your gear just dialed in to where, all right, these are the pants I'm going to wear, you know, obviously a good set of rain gear, lightweight. I mean, everything is just all about ounces, Mm -hmm. you know, what, you know, when it really boils down to it and, you know, I'm not, I don't have the best of the best of everything, but, you know, like I said, I always try to dial one piece of, um, you know, gear in a year and just keep adding to the arsenal of, you know, you know, stuff and, and figure out what works best for you. And everybody's got a different, everybody's got different body types and, you know, some stuff fits better than others for some people. And yeah, yeah. Like I said, you almost got to go out there and kick your ass, (laughs) have the wrong shit, figure out what you need, what you like. And, and just use all that stuff before you end up getting out there too. I mean, I guess that would be a big, a big thing. Just 
you know, try your meals, do whatever, use as much of your stuff as you possibly can, get to know it, learn how to pack your bag, you know, and, and stuff it all in there and take it all out and do it again and, you know, be efficient with everything. And yeah. No, that's, that's super helpful. I mean, what, what do you, what kind of food did you bring? Like, uh, your, your, what do you call it? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, mountain house has been around for a freaking long time, but last year I, I kind of, I upgraded and bought some of those peak, um, peak meals. I think it's peak refuel, uh, Chad Mendes, the MMA dude. Um, he kind of came out with some really good meals and, they were a little, I think they were like a buck or two more a bag, but I don't know. I mean, it, I feel like at the same time, every time I've had Mountain House, and, you know, you, you'll, you'd pretty much eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, after you kick your own ass hike around for a while, you pretty much would eat anything. And I don't know. I feel like I always crap my brains out after those Mountain Houses, and it never makes my guts feel good and That's stuff like that. So. Yeah, I've heard the same thing, but I have heard some good things about that. Those meals that Chad has kind of come along. Yeah, with. and I, you know, I mean, you try to just get things like those honey stingers and stuff like that. Or like yep. those are just kind of like a, or like a a delicacy out there, lightweight, but yet they, it's just it it, it makes you it makes you feel good inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but yeah, go ahead. No, I just, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just, you just find things like, uh, you know, I got a little bit of a sweet tooth too. So you just try to find things that, you know, just give you a little extra pep in your step when you're out there. Cause I mean, it's hunting in the mountains isn't easy. You know, we all want to do it. Everybody, you know, I mean, you see a guy that's very consistent on social media and he just makes it look easy and mm-hmm. you go out there and you're like, what the frick? Yeah. <laughs> I am never doing that again. You know, because <laughs> like I said, you can you can walk for miles, and until you invest the time out there, I got a buddy that lives out there and has definitely been a very helpful crutch for me. Like, yep. you know, at least getting me into a core area of where you know him almost just giving me the confidence to spend the time there. Because I mean any tip you can get from someone is definitely helpful. But at the same time, if you can get a scouting trip in, or like I said, you know, you do something once or twice, you figure out an area a little bit more each time you're there. And and, and that's just it. I've, I've pretty much hunted the same area and unit every time. It's, it's a, a zero point unit that I can draw every year. It's OTC elk hunt, you know, as far as that goes, but, so there's guys and stuff in there and, you know, I want to invest time into other places, but you know, it just comes down to time too. You know, I don't, I don't have a ton of time and you know, you know, with time comes money and all that jazz too. So it's just, just weighing it all out. And I do like hunting, uh, hunting out in the Dakotas too, a lot. So it's kind of, you know, it, it's not mountains, but, uh, it's big country but it's just kind of a little different style. Yeah. Still makes you feel small. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, and you know, it's one of those things too. You can chase your tail out there and not see deer and, and whatnot, but yeah, kind of veering off. But, um, we'll get into 
We'll get into the whitetails, the bluff country whitetails. How how did that end up for you? Yeah. Um, so we came. I came home from that high country hunt, um, and my wife and her girlfriend took off for South Dakota. So I think that was like the second week of September. Archery season hadn't opened here yet. Um, uh, we actually, when she was like the last two days of her South Dakota trip, we I had a buck that was starting to become pretty consistent like that. We have a pretty good little early season spot on a, a smaller farm um, in Wisconsin. And um, it was just one of those things I was trying. Knowing that she was pregnant, I knew her time would be very limited. So I... I didn't go after him and I waited till she got home and it just, she went in there one night after him and it, it just, I think she might've bumped him going into the stand because there was some, he was, he was bedded pretty close to the stand, which was kind of unusual, but not necessarily. Um, and then he kind of, he kind of boogied, boogied, I think she went in there one more time after him and he just, he, he kind of figured us out before we could really get a good arrow in him or an arrow even shot at him as far as that goes. Yeah. But, um, so then after that, I think, I don't know if we really didn't invest much time. I think we were, you know, like I said, we were on our, on the path to becoming parents. So we had some things that we were still <laughs> figuring out and, and, uh, dialing in, um, for our future little dude that showed up in December. But, um, so I think we were just kind of busy with, with life until about mid October. Um, and we kind of, st- we kind of really got back after it. Um, I think it was the last week of October, like 21st or 22nd. Um, you know, kind of going back to what I said earlier, previous, the previous year, 2020, um, we had a trail cam that we set up and we had bucked you know, a pretty nice buck that was consistently using this edge that we never hunted. And it was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this buck was so consistent, you know, and it was one of those that we just kind of left and marinated and, you know, used it as a scouting tool and, you know, tried to figure out new stuff all the time on, you know, I mean, farms are constantly changing or bucks are just doing different things based off of, you know, human pressure and just hunting pressure and all that jazz. And, yeah. So, uh, I went in on that edge, um, hadn't checked any cameras, but just, you know, kind of was like, Hey, based off of the Intel from previous year, I'm going to hunt this tonight or the buck, one of the, our, our, our big bucks that we were after really wasn't showing himself much. So I'm like, I'm just going to go hunt this side of the farm and do something different and had sticks set up in a tree that I, I had set up in the spring. So I took a, um, a lone wolf hang on and strapped that on, climbed the tree and, and hung the stand and freaking had an amazing hunt that night. Had a, a, a big eight pointer that I ended up shooting, like chase some does through the CRP um, and never really gave me a shot. Kind of went back into this corner. Another buck came out, hit a scrape. And then that buck, kind of swung back down around through the woods um and ended up giving me a shot and yeah that was a really that was a really nice eight pointer heavy i don't know probably low 140s eight pointer you know as far as score wise the 
you know, if, if that matters at all, which no. it does, it no. doesn't, doesn't, but I was, I was definitely Jack. I mean, I had, you know, like I said, it wasn't the, the, the buck we were really after, but it was kind of a buck we didn't even know until I shot him and then checked the trail camera, a couple trail, trail cameras around that area and realized that he just kind of like, it's almost like the does brought him in off the neighboring farm and yeah, it was, I was super pumped. Um, and then, yeah, that was the week prior to Halloween. Cause I, that was, so I hunted one night in Minnesota, you know, as far as that goes, I, I can't remember if I had a sit or two earlier in September. I think I did. We, I think I had a couple early sits in September, maybe nothing productive. Um, and I had that whole week, that whole last week of October off, but shot that buck on a Friday, I believe it was. And then kind of, kind of got back on the work train for a little bit. Cause I just didn't really have anything in Wisconsin that I was, that was really fired up yet. Or, you know, like I said, I just, being self-employed sometimes too. You just, <laughs> you accomplish one goal and you're like, all right, I get some work, get some more work done. We'll have a little bit of time. And then, you know, then get a couple days of work in and then get buck brain again and, yeah. and get back after it. So, and then I think I went in the night before Halloween, um, had a morning sit that wasn't productive, but I kind of seen some movement that I liked. So I went and hung a stand at noon didn't hunt that night, came back the next morning and found myself right in the rut fest and ended up killing a really nice nine pointer that had this really big, like unicorn point out of its forehead and stuff like that. So I was definitely very efficient <laughs> last year with my time, which is, which is kind of nice. And you know, the more you hunt certain spots that it, it, you know, you can, you kind of get efficient if you're, I guess, essentially putting your the pieces of the puzzle together. And obviously it's all timing, you know, I mean, call it luck or call it just timing or whatever you want to call it. I mean, I've, I've, I've spent, I've had seasons where I've spent every day in the woods and then I've had seasons where, you know, it was just picking the right times to go into these certain spots, you know, based off of history and just, you know, what, what, time of year and stuff like that and picking the right time to go into stands first time in kind of you know a lot of guys say it but sometimes it's hard to do that mm-hmm. but um yeah it was a super productive season and at least my wife my wife tried to go back in the stand at the next morning after that very pregnant and that I think it, she made it till about ten o'clock, and she's like, "Yep, no more getting into stands at this point. I am way, too, I am way too pregnant." Yeah. So but I, I mean, but it all, like you said, it kind of all comes down to you know spending your time in there in the springtime, wintertime when you're yeah shed no, hunting 100%. and stuff. You know, you're learning those areas where the deer are using trails or where they're using their bedding and stuff. Correct, correct, and just putting all that together. You know, there's a little and. Luck. and Definitely. I mean, there, there's definitely luck, but you know, when you put in the time and you do a lot of off season prep and just have things ready, like I had that tree picked out when I was walking over to it, you know, from a stand that was, I don't know, or I, I should say I walked, I biked over to it. Um, and, um, but I just like, I had the tree picked out 
you know, never hunted that tree, but I'd had it picked out from, you know, spending time in the woods, shed hunting, you know, I, I, I actually prep a lot of trees in general, even if I don't hang stands in them, I'll just, you know, like, you know, permanent stands or, you know, leave a stand in the tree. I'll, you know, I'll use like a lone wolf system that's got quick sticks and, you know, hang on stand. And, uh, I, I kind of have a couple old lone wolves too that use those J hooks. Okay. And, um, those are super slick cause I can leave a J hook in the tree of where I had the stand hung. So that way, like when I hang the, when I put the sticks in, like the stand is right where I want it to be. Yeah. You know, just by leaving that J hook there and using that system and stuff like that, which, or, you know, I mean, you know, however you want to do it, but just, you know, spending time in the woods and, and knowing stuff as far as, what bucks did prior and deer in general and how they're using trails and pinch points and certain, certain contours and stuff like that and, and timing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, just scouting is almost just as important as if when you're hunting. hundred percent. And I, I would, I would say that is very true. And if you're not putting in that off season time or scouting, you can spend a lot of time in the woods, but it's not productive time, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about like you're running trail cameras and stuff. What do you, do you run a bunch of trail cameras, a couple, do you keep them? Yeah. I mean, I think we got a pretty good mess of them. I think we got probably like 16 cameras or something like that. And a guy could certainly have more. <laughs> guy can certainly have less i think we got two cell cams and stuff like that and still on the fence with that yeah. <laughs> like it's like a love-hate thing i like i like love them because it's they're they're awesome like um, real-time information but at the same time it's just like <laughs> it, it almost feels like it's not right yeah. that may have that may have been why i hung up on you i was i got an update from my trip yeah my cell you no i i agree it's it's uh it's iffy um yeah i don't i don't know i'd like to hear yeah what are your thoughts on really though yeah. you know are you are you setting those up on trails are you setting them up you know near tree stands what uh yeah you know i mean I, um, you know, there's just certain spots where you see, you're seeing bucks constantly using or, or just like scrapes that are there every year. I mean, like I said, we got two cell cameras and it's just kind of, it's nice cause our lease is probably an hour away from home. Yep. So it's nice getting some of that stuff. I mean, obviously you're getting a picture of a buck that went past your camera. So it's, you know, it's, you know, that's here or there, you know, you can't. yeah, it, it, it's old information, I guess, essentially, but it's, it's good information. You know I mean? It's not like, I mean, we refer to our lease as consistently inconsistent because it's like we can get a picture of the buck we're after hunt him for a week and he'll never show back up. And then the first day we give up on the stand, he's back again. You know, it's just, it, it's just one of those weird farms. It's in a great area. It's just, consistently inconsistent there's just no rhyme or reason why the deer aren't consistent because the pressure is low i mean 
even on the surrounding farms. I mean, but it is what it is. You, you just, we're just grateful that we have a, a you know, a private piece to hunt and kind of control and, and stuff like that too. So, but yeah, I mean, scrapes, um, you know, entry and exits off of, you know, agriculture, um, pinch points, you know, just like I said, you just, we're hunting farms areas that we've hunted for a couple of years now. And we just have spots where we leave cameras and check them as we go in and hunt and stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's kind of how we use our cameras minus the two cell cameras. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we're, we're not really trying to, sometimes we're putting them on, you know, areas that kind of check off too, like spots that, we want to hunt and we think are good, but we put a camera there and we're just you're not seeing the movement we want and kind of checking that off the list and, and keeping our mind right to where the areas we should be focusing on and stuff like that. So like it, kind of circling back, you know, like I said, we're, we're using those cameras and checking them when we're going in to hunt these spots primarily. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, like, I guess my take, not that it matters, but my take on, you know, cam- cell cameras is there's some areas that are kind of nice to put cameras that you really want to stay out of for a long time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Throw a camera, <laughs> stay out, and let it do its thing. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, at the end of the day, they're awesome. I mean, it's it, it, it kind of... <laughs> It's just nice getting pictures of deer real time (laughs) (laughs) when you're at work or something like, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. I have a routine every morning, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and then it's my trail cameras. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's, they're, they're awesome. I, you know, I, I'm not taking anything away from anybody that uses them. Like I said, we have a couple of them and they're very, they're very useful. They're giving us, they're, they're giving us, information that we want to see and it keeps it keeps you hunting hard you know when you're seeing a buck that you want to be hunting you know and it just keeps you it keeps you grinding you know even even if you're going out there and you're not seeing them and you're not always having productive hunts but sometimes they're they're also kind of teaching you things too when you're you know like why am i never seeing this buck when i go in there with the perfect wind well it's not perfect for him it's perfect for you you know and you know hopefully you're using trail cameras to educate yourself on why deer are doing what they're doing you know when you're not there or they're not when they're not getting the pressure or you know i I guess the hunting pressure you know as far as that as far as scent or just you know you going in and you coming out sort of thing so at the end of the day you have to be using cameras to you know, educate yourself and make yourself a better hunter and, and learn the whys of why these deer are using those areas with, with certain winds and, and things of that nature. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's just like, just because the wind is good for you, it doesn't mean it's, you know, necessarily good for the deer, you know, then you're yeah. wondering why you're not seeing deer. Well, he's not gonna, he's not gonna come to a wind that's good for you, you know? Yeah. Correct. And, but that's just kind of your mindset. Like, man, with a North wind, this, this spot is perfect because nothing will, nothing will win me. Well, 
nothing's using it because nothing, yeah. nothing feels safe using that spot because the wind's completely wrong for them and all their senses. So, yeah, no, that's just like growing up, you know, I didn't really have many, I had a few mentors, you know, like teaching me things, but it was like definitely old school style hunting. And it's like, Oh, for you, sure. you for start sure. to learn those kind of things. Like, you know, we got to hunt the wind better. And it's like, as I grow up, the wind, yeah, it's like, <laughs> the, what does that mean? Really? Honestly? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No and, other... and that's to say, you know, like our bluff country, uh, contour and stuff like that. And that's <laughs> yeah. a whole nother ball game of learning how to read the wind and what it's going to do and thermals and all that jazz. And yeah, the slippery slope and, you yeah. know, it's one of those things you you almost some of those spots you just got to go in and sit with milkweed all day and just pull it out and let it float around and and watch how how wind actually works in bluff country or just hilly areas and it, it's actually pretty wild when you really start going down that rabbit hole of yeah. you know <laughs> wind and contours and stuff like that you yeah. know, because you go out to you go out to the plains or something like that, where north wind's a north wind. Yeah, it's blowing <laughs> like a son of a bitch. Yeah, correct. So, correct. so with that being kind of said, then are you, you know, do you have you gotten kind of into any mobile style hunting, or you kind of like you said, you you set your stands or your, you know, you you find or pick your trees, and that's kind of where you hunt, or have you kind of gotten into the mobile side of hunting a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I have. I have a couple mobile stands, you know, a couple lightweight aluminum hang-ons and stuff like that and stick setups. I, 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 like I said earlier, I prep a ton of trees. Like I just have like, that's just, I just have a work hard mentality of like, man, if I just have a bunch of these trees prepped, I can get into these areas if I need to get into these areas or if I want to get into these areas. Um, yeah, I mean, I some of the some of the the ground that I hunt, like it's really hard for me to go in and just hang and hunt without like I just don't have open woods that I'm hunting. Mm-hmm. As far as that, like good open woods to where, like, and that's that's why I prep a bunch of a bunch of spots because. I need to have shooting, you know, like, yeah. I mean, if I want a 10, uh, a 10 yard shooting window, like, yeah, I could go into any spot, but that, that I feel, I feel very handicapped at the end of the day when that's, that's, you know, how I go about it. I'm not saying like, I've never done it. You know, like I said last year, like I had that tree prepped in the spring, had some shooting lanes figured out. Um, it was on the edge of the CRP, you know, but I had shooting lanes down into the woods and, you know, it was a spot on my radar. And like I said, it was just perfect timing of when I went in there and a buck was kind of getting after some does, but, um, you know, when we go out West, you know, we, we take our mobile setups. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we went out to Wyoming, I think it's been three years now, but my wife, we watched some bucks one night after I shot a mule deer. Um, we watched a bunch of whitetails that had been using this, you know, egg field. And the next day we went in there after we tried chasing some muleys in the morning, we were like, well, let's go freaking hang a stand and you jump in it and hopefully those bucks do what they did last night. And sure shit. She shot a really nice full velvet 
whitetail eight-pointer. So, I mean, we definitely use the mobile setups. It kind of seems like we use them more on our our travel hunts yep. to, you know, really maximize, um, you know, potential as far as, you know, hanging and banging. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I just prep a lot of, as far as hunting around home, I, I just have a bunch of ground prepped or a bunch of spots prepped, I should say, that, um, you know, I use those setups for, but, um, yeah. No, I... I think that's a, a really good idea because I probably don't do that as much as I should. Just having an area, multiple different spots that, like you said, you know, I'm sure you got spots set up for certain, certain times of the year, certain winds, you Correct. know, whatever. Yeah. So as I mean, long as I, I, I definitely have a bunch, I definitely have a bunch of like sticks. You know, that that's another thing that I do is, you know, I have probably more sticks than I do sticks and stand combos. So we do have those, you know, hang on. Uh, the, the, you know, bone wolf hang-ons and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so we, we actually have a bunch of like just sticks and those J hooks in trees to where like, all right, well, we can have a couple of nice, really nice tree stands versus, and, and then like, you know, a dozen trees that have just sticks in them. So we can go in, we can use those stands and use 12 essentially hunt 12 different spots with you know one hang on tree stand yeah i think that's that's I, my cousin and i and one of my buddies kind of have kind of thought about the same thing i'm like why don't we just get a bunch of sticks and you know like you said you only need a couple stands and we can bounce around if you need to yeah and like idea. you said it's, it's all about timing too with some of your spots you know i mean there's spots that are great early season and then after early season they just they go blank and then it's like, all right, where's my pre-rut stand? Okay. That's great. Okay. Now we're in like full rut. Like I want to get into a bedding area. And, you know, I, I, I think it's great because you can, you know, you can pick up sticks, you know, for like 16 to 18 bucks a piece, you know, depending on if you need three or four of them, you know, it's a under a hundred dollar investment. I mean, obviously if you have 12 sets, that's, you know, a good investment over time, but you know, I don't, it's not like you're going out and buying 12 sets every year. Like every yeah. year we pick up three or four more sticks, kind of leave them prepped or replace some straps on another one and, or move some and stuff like that. But an efficient way to have a bunch of spots, a really nice comfortable tree stand that, you know, is super versatile for all sorts of trees, you know, uh, all sorts of trees, whether they're straight trees or crooked trees or a tree you really shouldn't be in, but, it's the right spot kind of tree. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that's been a very, um, a very helpful way of hunt, having a bunch of spots and, but yet having like a really nice comfortable stand that's super versatile. Yeah. And you like your, your lone wolf. That's, that's your go-to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we got a couple of them. Um, but you know, it's, like I said, you know, we usually pick, pick out something like every year we just buy something that's like, all right, let's just pick up another one of these. Cause I'm feeling good. Been working hard. Want to treat myself to something yeah. that way I can leave the stand here. If it's good. But then, you know, I also want to hunt the stand in the morning, but come back to that stand. I mean, you know, I mean, there's obviously guys out there that just have the mobile, their, their complete mobile setup. And that's, 
that's their set, you know, I mean, and everybody's got different budgets and stuff like that. I guess I could have invested into a tractor, but instead I invested into a bunch of sticks. So (laughs) you'll, you'll get there someday. Yeah. Someday. Yeah. It's definitely on the to get list and more of a want than a need, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, but uh, with, with, uh, you know, with season getting close here, we're, we're a couple month and a half or so out from, from season. What are you doing right now? Uh, right now I'm trying to get as much work done as possible <laughs> <laughs> construction wise. Yeah. But, um, right now, um, we're just, we're trying to get as many arrows and rep, you know, arrows through the bows and just get a ton of reps. And like in the years, like, you know, years, years ago, like I was investing all my time into getting things set up and not as much into shooting. And, um, it, it really kind of created some bad habits had, you know, still, still fight target panic to this day, you know, and to me getting all those reps in kind of helps me get rid of that early in the year to where, you know, years prior, like I had some pretty good opportunities early season, um, years ago that I let slide through the cracks because I didn't invest enough time shooting my bow, you know, and as, I mean, it's easy to pick up your bow and shoot 20 yards and, you know, feel confident and stuff like that. And you're like, shit, I haven't shot my bow since last November. This is great. Still can hit the target. All right. But, you know, when it comes down to the moment of truth, you know, like you really, I, I the one thing I feel like that's made me a, a really, I guess, uh, an efficient and productive, you know, tag puncher is, is, getting a ton of reps in with my bow and being like super confident when I walk out in the woods with my bow. Like I'm, I'm more confident with my bow than, you know, I am picking up a gun and, you know, I mean, obviously I I can, I I shoot gun, you know, I gun hunt a little bit and stuff like that and stuff like that. But you know, like I, I love bow hunting and so does my wife. Like we just, we shoot all the time as much as we can. And, it's been a little bit of a game changer, you know, having a kid and that, that changes a lot of things. So even just getting our reps in, it's just not as easy, but you know, we're making, we're making it work. You know, you just, you, you know, you know, you're, you're figuring out ways to get reps in and stuff like that. We've pretty much, we've got a couple 3d little mini 3d targets, those Reinhardt's, uh, I think we got a mini caribou, a mini elk, and a, you know, a mini whitetail and, we set them up at, you know, we got a little spot where we go out to and set them up to 30, 40, and 50 and get a couple good reps in. And, you know, I mean, that, that, that's, that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. And uh, we're, you know, but as far as like, other than that, um, going to start getting some cameras out. Um, don't have any out as of right now, but I'm not too worried about it. We, uh, we're going to head out to the Dakotas right away for our first hunt of the year and, and stuff like that first part of September. Um, so yeah, I mean, primarily we try to get like a nice, a fun Western hunt in right off the get go and, and stuff like that. So I'm not really, my, my mind is kind of set on mule deer right now versus whitetails yeah. as far as that goes. But, um, get, got some mowing done about two weekends ago. Um, just trying to take advantage of any little bit we can to get out there and dial something in. Um, as much as possible. It just seems like the guy's super busy in the summer and it's just hard to, 
hard to stay on track with all the things you want to do versus those other things that everybody else wants you to do. So yeah, but. no, I think like you touched on. I think sometimes people want to go out and scout and and drive around and look at deer and they're doing that more than like you said shooting their bow. I think that's overlooked a lot. You know, I can admit uh, yeah. myself like. I would yeah. rather go look at deer than I would, you know, do anything else. So I think. I think that's why a lot of guys shoot crossbows. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. Because <laughs> they mean, don't have to put in the reps and, you know, it's kind of like picking up a gun. But even at the end of the day, you know, you look at these guys that are super efficient, you know, Western rifle hunters and stuff like that, or just rifle hunters, you know, those guys shoot those guns. They put, they put rounds through those guns. They're confident with, whatever weapon you're using. And I think that's one of the most overlooked thing as, as a hunter. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, when I get a ton of reps in before season and opening day comes around, like I am extremely confident that the first, you know, when I get my opportunity, like I'm, I, I feel very confident that I have a very good opportunity of capitalizing. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, uh, you saying that right now is kind of, I need to get my ass in gear. <laughs> that's <laughs> a good. good. I'm, glad, I'm glad that, you know, I, I, you know, I hope anybody that hears that, you know, thinks the same thing because like I said, years past, I feel like I, I, I could have had a little bigger tax Jeremy bill and less money in my bank account. If I would have just capitalized on, you know, shot opportunities, you know, that, haunt me to this day <laughs> and, and, and really honestly you kind of owe it to the to the animal too you know like oh, you can't you yeah. can't be out there yeah. you know being unethical or whatever you know so and that's just it you know i mean more times than not your bow setup really doesn't change or you know whether even if it's a rifle or whatever however whatever weapon you know i mean you know you can pretty much pick it up and you know everything's dialed in but the confidence that you have by putting the time in and reps or rounds. Yeah. 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 Just makes you a confident and, and makes me confident. For sure. Well, all this, all this talk has got me kind of excited now that (laughs) it's like, I wish it would come a little quicker, but I know it's getting late here. You gotta, you got some stuff you probably got to do. So, um, probably got a date to change. That's yeah, for that's sure. probably right. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anything else, yeah, you can say it now, or you can, you know, where wherever yeah. where people can find you on Instagram or whatever. I mean, you got some cool content on there. I like. Yeah, I like all yeah, uh, yeah. We, you can find me. I think I'm Richie Wilhelm on uh, Facebook, and well, I'm, I don't think I, I know I am Richie <laughs> Wilhelm on uh, Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. Um, we have been putting some some YouTube content out there. Raw yeah. Adventure Wild is uh, kind of like the you know our, my wife and I's brand name. We got some stuff on there. Nothing nothing crazy, but there's some good stuff. You know, what I mean, we're just trying to get better with it. We have a ton of content. Just finding the time to do it all, and you know, weighing out you know do we stay home and and put some content out there? Do we go hunting or put some reps in with the bow or you know? I mean likes about balance and stuff like that and, and all that jazz but yeah no, i appreciate you know, appreciate all the kind words and you know it it amps me up when people are fired up when they see all the cool shit that that i get to do you know from working hard and 
and, you know, put my mind to stuff that I want to do and accomplish. For sure. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I like seeing people shoot big bucks on, on TV, but like, I like seeing the raw shit more, you know, I like seeing people do it right and do it, you know, like, more authentic and, and more relatable. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's the stuff that, that I like to see is not, I mean, it's, it, there's, there's definitely money <laughs> that can be yeah. spent to go do a ton of cool shit, but doing, doing cool shit on a budget is, is what, uh, what I like to see. And, you know, those are the people that motivate me. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that is doable. It just depends on how hard you want to work for something or what you're willing to invest into it. For sure. No, that that's, uh, I think you hit it on the head there. So yeah, with that being said, you know, thanks for coming on and thanks for taking the time. It's, it, it was a long time coming. We had a yeah. little back and <laughs> forth there. And, and I apologize for that, oh, but yeah, I'm glad. It, it, the timing seems good. We're 50 days up in September. If anything, it's, it's, it's a good, you know, the good way for me to light your fire to get yeah. some reps through your bow and, Hell yeah. you know, and, and, you know, just kind of talk hunting and get her, get ourselves fired up. For sure. Well, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. And, um, we'll have to link up again after hunting season and for sure. We'll and, do another uh, one. Yeah. Go from there. All right. Well, good luck this season. Thanks, Anders. Have a good one. You too. Bye. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to the Rush Valley Podcast. Um, it's been a while, I know, probably a little rusty here, but uh, give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. There's going to be a lot more content coming soon, so uh, make sure you tune into the Valley, baby.